Hello. Hi, Jared. Hey. So my son got a um, um, a new monitor for for Christmas, and so now he's got this dual monitor thing going on. And so with that, I had to uh, we had to set up a webcam, all this stuff, so that he, you know, I don't mess with his other settings. Jared, don't forget to add me as a thingamajiggy. Ah, thank you. Jared, did you see Zoom uh, Joe, so kind of connecting it back. <laughs> then does that mean that Israel is still? It's, they still celebrate Christmas, so you're like, nope, don't want there. Let me go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance that Israel is going to celebrate Christmas. You know, I thought you said that they Eid, did. I thought you said that they did celebrate Christmas. No, they don't. They oh, don't. My bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I was saying even even the even the believers in Jesus, yeah, don't celebrate Christmas because from from their perspective, they say, hey. We've got all of these holidays that God commanded us to celebrate in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, Passover, Pentecost, well, they don't call it Pentecost, but Shavuot, you know, and, and, and others. And it's like, God never commanded to celebrate Christmas. There, you can't find a verse that says, you know. Honor my birth. <laughs> yeah, as a holiday. Yeah. Whereas you do find, you know, like for, for the Passover story, you know, God says, Hey, you know, go kill the lamb, put the blood over the door, and then you're going to give commands to it. Yeah, and then you're going to do this every year to remember this. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Another another reason why you just need to go back to Israel, right? Exactly. <laughs> East, Easter is an interesting thing because we're not commanded to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus as a as an annual holiday. Mm -hmm. But it's already connected to a commanded holiday of Passover. Right. So, so of course we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because we're celebrating Passover. And what was Jesus doing when he was, yeah, you know, right. that week? You know, I mean, like, I, there's been a lot of, and this is obviously like, you know, there's more theological basis between this. But like, I know there's been several people, uh, not several people, I'm sorry, I learned in my like, world religions uh, class before where a lot of Christian holidays are where they are because of conversion, you know, so Christmas, you know, though, yes, it, like Jared said, like the, the symbolism of everything, you know, on, 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 um, on like the winter solstice, but it, because it's also the winter solstice, it's easier for pagans that convert to Christianity to convert to a holiday that basically is around the same time, you know? Um, so, Easter possibly could be the same thing too, you know, where it's like, it's around Passover. And so for Christianity, we'll put our, like a major holiday around that point in time as well. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying in, in the case of Easter, it's different because you know that Jesus was resurrected, you know, right after the celebration mm -hmm. of Passover. Mm -hmm. when, when he had the last supper in the upper room, what was he doing? That was a Passover meal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we know that, you know, Easter does, and, and every year Easter does line up with Passover. Right. For the most part. But was Jesus really born at the beginning of winter? I doubt it. Right, right. And that's, that's kind of going back to what I was saying, where, you know, I've heard he have been born in the summer or something like that, you know, or spring or whatever. And so my point was that I know that certain holidays um, have been, placed around certain other yeah. you know events 
from a conversion side of things. So it's easier to accept it because there's something that's already there, you know? Yeah. So now whether that's true or not, it's a different story, but <laughs> I'm going to get a refill of coffee. Yeah. But all that to say Hanukkah is not a big deal in Israel. Interesting. Learn something new every week. Hey dad, what's up? No, oh, no audio. No, it's just real quiet. You got to use your diaphragm. That Lonza diaphragm that you got. Did you hear us? Dad was just talking quietly. I think so. I was too soft. Oh, there you go. It just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it just didn't pick up on you right away. That's something I don't hear very often. That I'm too soft. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. Do I sound normal? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, and I how like long has it been since you've actually been a part of a service that you're not leading? It's been quite a while. I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's been exactly. quite a while. So it's kind of neat just to just chime in with everybody else and just hear what's going on. Yeah. It's not often our pastors get to do that. Right. Sunday's a pretty important day for y'all. <laughs> yeah, they tend to be pretty busy. Where's mom? She's uh, watching Everett. Yeah, she said that she she offered to watch Everett for us so that Scott and I could both be present for a church service the Aww. first time in a year. That's <laughs> such a mom thing to do. It is. I love and we are eternally grateful for it because by this point in the day, we are running around like chickens with our heads cut off mm -hmm. and trying to find creative ways, trying all the things we know that will entertain him. So Joe, this is my dad, Frank. Frank, this is Joe. Hi, nice. Dad. No. We call him the Holy Cannoli. <laughs> so I have a question for the two pastors on the call. That's so you. when when you're not conducting a service, but when you're visiting some other church and you get to be part of the um, part of the congregation, are you able to just sit back and be part of the, the worship service and receive? Or are you always noticing, oh, they're doing it this way, and maybe I should do it that way, or, uh, I, you know, I don't like that. Or Are you able to go out of pastor mode? Well, I have to confess that I, I can do both. I do find myself sometimes looking around and seeing the, how people are conducting themselves, the leader of the worship service type of thing, and always looking for ways to incorporate what others are doing into what I can do, you know, but uh, I have to set that aside yeah. and, and make myself worship, you know, and, and once I do that, it, it, I just fall in flow with everybody else. So yeah, I, I do have both parts of that show happening at the same time sometimes. I'd say the same. It depends on my season of life too. Sometimes there, there have been times where I was like, I don't know, for whatever reason, really a lot more susceptible to seeing what other people are doing and, you know, yeah. And then other times I could care less. I'm just, you know, having a good time. So, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to not, I mean, I imagine, I don't know if in a software development world or, you know, if it just crosses your mind, like, Oh, I wonder how they developed this thing or why they chose that thing. You know, it's just when it's such a part of you, there's, you can't ever really turn it off, you know, but how you doing Amy? Great. How are you guys? doing wonderfully what does that sound that's for some reason there's a loop going on on the computer <laughs> do you remember these loops back at church 
Oh yeah. Are we gonna sing now? The Holy Spirit, give me a second. The Lord is here. <laughs> the presence of God. Scott used to so call or not Scott. Aaron used to call it the Holy Spirit. Yep. He said, Can we get some more Holy Spirit in uh in the monitors, please? <laughs> the, the loop really does add something. <laughs> You're so far away. I don't know if you can tell the guitar hits me if I'm too close to you. Looks at me second. Let's rock and roll, Heather. Yeah. I don't want to lose teeth. No, 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 no. It wasn't. That was not intentional. But we used to, when we had a full band worship, we used to have the the loop track playing. And it really, it just fills the space. It gives you, yeah, it just gives you, it just kind of fills the space. Yeah. We haven't used that. Okay. All right, I have removed the oh, Holy Spirit from the church. Well, thank <laughs> I, I will say this, though, like, I really do miss it. I, I, like, I like the sound of having the loop there. Um, like I you said, always it bring the space. It. What's that? When we get back to in person, you could always bring a little sound machine. <laughs> and just play it. <laughs> we'll Lincoln, is that your new uh, hoodie? And he has a guest with him as well. Oh, Grogu. Yeah. Or Baby Yoda, as the rest of the world calls him. Yeah. People who watch the show can call him Grogu. Everybody else. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. I understand why it's confusing. I mean, it would be confusing to call him Baby Yoda. He's not related to him, at least as far as we're aware. And it's certainly not him. I love that, like... John Favreau was like, Jared, you told me, don't worry, we call him Baby Yoda too. Like, yeah, on... that, I, I just picture the executives and like the production team at Disney talking about like, you know, like stuff about the show. And they're like, no, 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 yeah, go ahead. we'll have Baby Yoda in this scene here. Like, exactly. You know they're doing it Well, too. for marketing purposes, they called him the child. And, and they were like, but everybody called him Baby Yoda even you know when we first saw him whatever and everyone knows it's not him but that's the that's the way everybody is called him that and so he went on the today show and said don't worry nobody needs to get mad we all call him baby yoda too it's fine at a certain point you just gotta lead into it you know yeah right well baby yoda's much cuter than grogu right i heard somebody say that like grogu is like somebody's like german grandmother or something like that <laughs> Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's okay. It's all right. Amy, how was your Christmas? It was good. What, uh, was nice. what, was, what was your Christmas like? Um, we didn't go anywhere. Um, we stayed home. What did we do? I mean, we opened presents with my brother and sister-in-law on Zoom. So that was, and that was nice. That was good. And then. Are they still living in your house or they went back to New York? They went back to New York um, in September, October. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they're back. Yeah, so they were just in their apartment. So we did that. Then we played Scrabble and we watched A Christmas Story. Yes. And we had, I mean, yeah, we still had story. like ham and potatoes and the usual Christmas stuff and then just kind of hung out. Did you watch It's a Wonderful Life? We did not watch It's a Wonderful Life. Amy, come on. No. Amazing Christmas. I know. Now, Amy, I have been told by, I missed some of this conversation on Facebook, but I was told that my brother was berated by you for him <laughs> watching the color version of yes. it. 
That's sacrilege. Can you please explain yourself? First of all, I just want to say I've always watched it in black and white. This year we did color because Jared wanted to give it a try. Can you not ruin my story? Sorry. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. I think that it should be watched in black and white, which was the way God intended it. So. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Yeah. So sure. It's you so know, weird. God has also given the gifts of, of people to be able to convert black and white to color no. so then that would be denying the gifts that he's given people no that would be like saying you need the old imagination to fill in the color <laughs> you need to just have a little bit of imagination and a little bit of trust and respect for the medium chris do you though no, you've watched it always in black and white so there I, I have never watched it in color and i will never watch it in color and that's, well, what, that's what my point is i like, would like to just say then that i have done both and prefer the color so you're wrong, uh, but that's all right. That's okay, all right. I can be wrong. I also understand that you don't like Jesus, and and you know because he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Therefore, same concept applying here, I, right? I would also like to say I don't like the color because it looks fake. Because the way they fill in the color, exactly. You just there. color things in. There's, a, there's a there's no. It's not. Mm -mm. It no. was clearer. Retroactively go back and be like, we're going to pretend we had color. No, don't Why do not? that. Those are weird. It's unnatural. I thought it looked, thought it looked natural. <laughs> anyway, I liked it probably because it was clearer. I think the thing with black and white, black and white stuff to me is um, like it feels, it doesn't, it feels fake. Like it doesn't feel real because the world we live in is not black and white. And so it just looks weird to me, like seeing something that has no color to it. And so when you add color, my brain goes, oh, that, that feels familiar. I think that's. That's what I found myself watching the movie and was like, like that, it looked like what I thought people would look like. I don't know. I know that that's weird, but I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was funny that you had such a strong opinion. I, I also think that it's, again, it's there's nostalgia. There's no, it is the nostalgia. And also, like, I grew up watching a lot of old shows and things right. like that. I grew up watching a lot of right. old movies and black and white. So, like, I'm used to it maybe and i don't have that so that's the thing heather grew right. up watching watching it's wonderful life and very much is like you know that's a part of her family tradition my family it was not really like that and so growing up watching it because of her it's i like it it's special to me now but watching it in color didn't do anything to destroy my childhood because i had not you know, I had not seen it that way. So that's probably why I feel the way that I do. We grew up watching Timmy the Angel, the Precious Moments movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I grew up with like black and white. We watched a lot of old movies growing up. So there's wow. that. I, I enjoy black and white. I appreciate it as a medium. <clears throat> and I don't want to taint that art form with... Uh Technicolor with adding in colors. With technical, that filthy technicolor. Filthy technicolor. You know what? You like when you watch a movie and it's like presented in color and they're like, hooray. Yes. Hooray. Well, I mean, The Wizard of Oz, when The Wizard of Oz yes. came out and then it switched to color, it was like, oh, you know, it was right. And that, but that was an artistic choice, like to, to do that intentionally. So I get that. But. Yes. Interestingly enough, exciting because again, it's the way God intended where you move into the color. So here's a good question. So I just got uh, the Lord of the Rings on uh, uh, 4K today uh, for Christmas. That was a special, that was my like a gift I was really excited for. Um, 
some people are saying that it has ruined the the movies the that having them in 4k ruins it because they say that it it can expose some of the uh practical effects or some of the cgi flaws from the originals because it was made like 20 years ago and uh i haven't watched it in 4k yet but i'm not that guy i'm like if there's a way to make the quality of an image be better I'm all about that. I think I think you have those people who were then looking for those flaws. You know, I don't think the common person, like if I were to watch it in 4K, I would not be looking for, oh, you know what, there's a little bit more edge blurring on that visual effects now, you know, or something like that, you know, like I, those, those flaws I think are so minute. Now, back in the olden days, like when there was somebody that was like um, somebody hanging on wires or something like that, you know, those are a little bit more obvious, I think, you know, but even still, I mean, like the way that they take out wires is they paint them out digitally. So like, I, I still think like you'd have to be really looking for those flaws. And I think that the, 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 the common person won't even notice them. I, I also think there's a trade-off. Like to me, Lord of the Rings has such incredible scenery that if they can make the mountains and the sky and like the fields look even more sharp and crisp and beautiful. And the downside to that is there's possibly like a little blur on like a CGI effect. Like that to me outweighs and makes the experience even better. Anyway, I just brought that up because it's kind of a similar concept of they've, they've gone back and remastered something that was done in a certain way and is I'm curious, you know, just how people, some people are already upset over the fact that they think that it ruined it, which I think is silly. Because other people have come out and said that it's the most masterful remaster ever done and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so. so. Speaking of the scenery, Jared, have you ever considered taking a trip to New Zealand to see the actual filming scenery? The thing is, is that, uh, so yes, right? So part of me is absolutely, every time I watch Lord of the Rings and I see the mountains and the rivers and Hobbiton and all that stuff, I'm like, my gosh, that's incredibly beautiful. It would be so cool to go there and to like see all that stuff because I know you can. The problem is, is I'm not really an outdoorsy person in the sense of like, my vacations are not to places that are like hiking destinations, that kind of stuff. And that's the reason people go to New Zealand um, in a large respect. So I don't know that I'll ever actually get there. Um, and I would say, oh, well, let's just go to Australia and then take a little jump to New Zealand. I don't know that that's a thing. So Jared yeah. would need to take like a helicopter tour over the areas. <laughs> Yeah. Also, also, the distance between Australia and New Zealand is larger than most people think. I'm sure. So yeah, so I don't want to disrespect their country just because I want to see the Lord of the Rings set. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, but so probably not. I'll just stick to, uh, to just enjoying it uh, in its 4K majesty on my television. So anyway. That's that. What else do we want to talk about? We've got a few minutes. Or we could just get started. <laughs> well, if you don't like outdoorsy vacations, what do you like for vacations? When I say outdoorsy, I mean like, um, uh, what's what, eco-adventure or, I don't know how to describe, like I don't, so like we went, so if I'm gonna go to, I'm trying to think like I would not uh backpacking like that that's not really the kind of thing so so if I'm going on on a vacation uh so like for example it's a great example every year we go to Deep Creek Lake Maryland right mm 
And Deep Creek is, can be one of two things. It could either be the outdoorsy thing where people go hiking and they go canoeing and backpacking through the, the woods and the mountains and camping and that kind of stuff. Or it can be rent a home, swim in the lake, relax, and just kind of like do like tourist activities. That's more my speed. Um, I'm not the, you know, put on the boots and go out hiking every day kind of thing. Like that, that's not my thing. So would I go to New Zealand if there was like, you know, a city there that was like really had a lot of stuff to do and that I could take a day trip to go see like some of the Lord of the Rings stuff? Probably I'd do that. But I'm not going to be the one who's going to hike all through New Zealand to go see those things. You know, that's just not my speed. That's, that's kind of what I mean. If I'm going to Mexico, it's to the beach and at a resort, you know, that kind of stuff. So I don't know, whatever. Anyway. All right. We're going to get started. Um, yeah. So let's move along. Good morning, everybody. And Merry Christmas. Uh, today is December 27th, and so uh, in my family anyway, Christmas is still all the way through New Year's, so we're going to continue to celebrate. And, uh, and the good news is, is that we're Christians, and so we believe in Jesus, and so we can still celebrate him at all times. But I'm, uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday, um, or at least a tolerable one. And uh, I know that this has been a weird year. Lincoln was saying all, all week that this has just been a rough, not rough, but he said it just hasn't felt like the typical Christmas. And I'm, I think that, you know, it's probably a common feeling for a lot of people. And, um, you know, uh, I've just, I, what I told him and I would tell you guys and I've reminded myself is try to remember what Christmas is about and the things that the focus of Christmas and the reason that we celebrate um, and what we should, you know, what you're going for. And that helps because it's not reliant on whether or not, you know, the cookies were made right or the dinner went well or presents that you got, but more along the lines of what is it that brings us joy and why do we have hope and those things. And that helps me. And so uh, I'm excited for today's message. We're going to be uh, continuing our incarnate message series, kind of finishing that up today. It's a two part. And so we'll get to that. But um, before we do, I just want to kind of kick off with a few uh, housekeeping uh, thoughts, just as always with our uh, online format, we have a chat feature. Um, so if we have, um, if you have anything to say, you feel free to unmute yourself at any point. Also, you can use the chat function at the bottom of your toolbar and just type something and we'll be sure to make sure that we mention that or look into that. Um, and just a reminder, a couple things for the giving site, uh, encountergiving.com is where you can give your tithes and offerings. Um, that helps support the obviously the mission of our church and the missionaries and things like that. But also, if you have given throughout the year, you can begin to expect uh, the email that will be coming to you from, um, I, don't, I think it probably comes from our church website, our email address, um, but your giving statements for the year for your tax purposes. Um, so um, if you have given to the church either in, um, you know, in the offering in uh, in the service with physical gifts or online. Um, I'll be running those reports after the first of the year, and then you guys will uh, get an email from the system that will have a statement so that you can uh, handle that for your tax purposes if that's something that you'd like to do. So just be looking for that. Um, they will be coming via email, not paper. So unless you don't have an email address on file, expect it via the email. So just be looking for that. Um, this coming Wednesday uh, is EC Gentleman. I'd like to talk to uh, Chris and Scott um, 
I would say Josh, but you don't ever come. Um, <laughs> you're welcome to come at any time, but I want to talk to Chris and Scott a little later to figure out what we want to do this week because Tad's not going to be here. Um, certainly want to make sure that we include him in our videos thing that we're doing. So we'll figure out some other alternative to that. But that will be this Wednesday at 630. Um, also, just want to wish everybody a happy new year. Um, if you're like me and the rest of our country and probably the world, this year has been one big dumpster fire. And uh, so I'm excited to turn the page. And uh, yeah, so I just want to wish you guys all a happy new year. Um, hopefully, uh, you'll be able to do something that will feel um, exciting, but also safe at the same time. So whatever you do, I just hope that you have a wonderful time with your family um, and any friends that you are able to see either online or uh, in person. And uh, I'm excited to announce that next Sunday, Heather is going to be uh, being the one preaching. What is that face? I'm just <laughs> Her face is like, <laughs> so Heather's going to be preaching next week. So I'm excited to hear what she'll be sharing with our church next Sunday. As she looks so happy again, I look at that face. You got to smile. You're on camera. You're talking to me? I am talking oh. to you. I thought you were talking, I was trying to figure out whose face you were talking about. Like, did I make all of you? I know, all I, of you. I also can't see half of the screen because the iPad is blocking it. So I was kind of trying to look oh, over. Sorry. I'm excited to preach next week. I'm sorry if I made a weird face. I'm like, wow, I thought she'd be more excited to be announced that way. So yeah, so she'd be preaching next Sunday. And then our rotation for serving this week, uh, Kylie, you are on call to worship. And Chris, you are, will be our prayer individual at the end of our service next week. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started with our time of worship. Uh, Carrie, I believe that you uh, have something prepared for us this morning. I do. Ready. Would you please go ahead and do that. All right. So first, I'd like to share a scripture verse with everyone. Can you hear me okay? I'm sorry. My voice is a little scratchy. <clears throat> Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And bear with me here. <laughs> um, so every morning, I have a tiny human alarm clock who comes into my bedroom and very early sometimes it's not even light outside yet <laughs> um and she'll try to wake me up by sometimes like she'll she'll gently tap me sometimes she'll like rub my face sometimes you know it, and it depends on really how long it takes me to fully be aware of what's happening um it'll be mommy 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 and then eventually like if i haven't still acknowledged her presence it'll be like smacking me until i say oh you're here good morning um so she is very intense and relentless in her quest for attention no matter what time of day it is um and you know it had me thinking um that God chases after each of us in many of the same ways. Um, he calls after us and he wants us to know that he's there. Um, there have been a lot of times in my life where I've heard God's voice and sometimes it, it can be a whisper where it's telling me, Carrie, you need to text this person and tell them that you're praying for them. And sometimes it's like, well, 
I don't even know what I'm supposed to be praying for. And then like, I'll reach out to the person and just be like, Hey, I really felt God tell me that I needed to pray for you today. Just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Um, and sometimes there really is something going on, um, with the person. So that's, that makes it very clear that, you know, that was God's voice and like whisper that I was hearing. Um, and then sometimes it's, um, God's voice and God's presence can be very loud. Um, I was thinking of our struggle with infertility and how, um, through that process, I became very angry and very bitter until eventually I fully let go and had God's full embrace and face smack of love, <laughs> if you will, if you're bringing it back to, you know, how Ellie likes to wake us up and say, hey, I'm here. And just, you know, God is always there for us, you know, whether we, you know, can feel the, the gentle whisper of him or in those very intense moments where we're thinking like, God, where are you? Where are you? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh. And then you're here and you have those times where you're receiving God's love in a very intense way. Um, and I just think that's an important message for us to all um, be thinking about and just know, you know, God is always there and you can always feel him around us. So just, you know, tune in and, and listen. Awesome. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. It's a great reminder for us. Um, so let's just open in prayer and uh, just be mindful of that. God, uh, we thank you that you are with us. Like we talked about last week, um, God with us and uh, you are present. We thank you for it. God, sometimes uh, it is, we feel like it's hard to sense you and to know where you are with us. And sometimes you whisper and other times um, you're much more um, visible or um, prevalent. And so just ask that you would help us today as we kind of close out this, this year um, as a church family, that we would uh, just um, open our hearts to receive from you, to hear from you in whatever way that you choose to um, to show us and to just be here today. We thank you for your word and we're excited for what you're going to do. And now we just sing to you um, in worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Day spring come. 
and cheer Thy spirits by the Advent year And drive away the shades of night And death's dark shadows put to flight Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to together.
are steadfast, never failing. You are faithful. All creation is in awe of who you are. You're the healer. You're the healer of the sick and the broken. You are comfort for every heart that mourns. Our King and our Savior forever. For eternity we'll sing of all you've done. Sing that for eternity. For eternity we will sing of all you've done. We sing God with us, God for us. Nothing can come against, no one can stand between us. God with us, God for us. Nothing can come against, no it moves with compassion your heart it moves with compassion there is life there is healing in your love you're the father the son the holy spirit for eternity we will sing of all you've done sing that again for eternity for eternity between us. 
master, the one who gave it all. Christ alone be praised, fully devoted. We follow after the one who gave it all. Christ alone, Christ alone be Christ alone, Christ alone, Christ alone be praised. We follow after you. God, that's my prayer today. Is that no matter what it takes for your glory, that you would be praised, that the world would know your name. And I know that I'm, I fail at it. I know that I'm not always good at it. Sometimes I forget or I ignore your call to share to the world who you are. God, my desire is that you would be known in my relationships, in my friendships, in my workplace, in my neighborhood. God, would you do a work in my heart today, a work in our hearts, each of us individually, wherever we are in this area, God, that we would hear you speaking to us, calling us to you, to us to, to be your, your emissaries, to be your ambassadors, to be just your, uh, the light that you've called us to be to our world. God, that we can say we are truly fully devoted to it. Fully devoted, we follow after the one who gave it all. Christ alone be praised. Fully devoted, we follow after the one who gave it all. Christ alone, Christ alone be praised. We worship you, Father. May you be praised and be glorified in the rest of our service today. Let your will be done. May we be encouraged and challenged to follow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you guys for all just joining in that time of worship with us. Uh, before we move on any further this morning, I do want to just welcome my dad uh, to the call. He doesn't need to say anything, but um, it's not very often that I get the opportunity to uh, have my mom and my dad. My mom is present in spirit. She's actually in the room watching Everett uh, this morning, my, my nephew. Um, but it's not often I get to see both of them uh, and be at, at my church. My, my dad and my mom are both pastors at their church in Warren, Pennsylvania. And so uh, they're oftentimes doing what I do every Sunday. And so they, it's hard for them to get away. So I just, uh, it's an honor to have you guys here, have such a living legend present um, here uh, on the call with us. So anyway, I love you, dad. And I'm glad that you're here um, with us. So I get some Encounter Church love for you today. Um, so I am excited to uh, move on and to, um, to wrap up our message series that we started last week called Incarnate. Um, this was really born out of a, 
a desire in my heart um, to one, personally study the incarnation. Um, I, as we kind of talked about last week, um, don't come from a tradition of Christianity um, where the incarnation is, uh, is talked about a lot. It's mostly Christmas and the manger story and Jesus being born and then how it ultimately leads to the cross, right? That's kind of the, the, the fullness of, of my upbringing mostly and just sort of where it is in our strain of Christianity, the, the sort of evangelical world. But um, I've always been fascinated by um, more mainline Christian Christianity or even in like Catholicism that the incarnation is more central to uh, specifically the Christmas, the Christmas season and Advent. And there's such a, there's a, there's a deep theology that is there um, if we really dig into it. So last week and this week are really born out of a desire to understand it and to find the application of why, what is the significance of it, right? So we've been talking about that um, last week about the incarnation. What does it mean and why does it matter? Um, and so last week we talked about how uh, the incarnation was obviously exemplified in Jesus, um, but that he was called Emmanuel, right? And Emmanuel means God with us. And so last week's title was a message was entitled God with us, incarnate God with us. And we said that Jesus came in the flesh to save us and to live with us, right? With the two passages of scripture that we uh, focused on last week talked about that Jesus came to save our sins, right? It says that he would be, he would, he has come to save us from our sins. But then in John chapter one, it says that the flesh, that, that, the, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So we know that the incarnation's purpose was to, to, to reconcile us to God through the, through the physical, that's what enables us to have our connection with God in the spirit. That's why we can be saved. But also he didn't just come and then go back, but that he stayed with us. He dwelt with us and sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of each of us so that we could have an eternal connection with the God who lives with us and wants to dwell with us. And so that was last week. Well, today we're going to continue to explore the significance of the incarnation and what it means for our lives. And what we're really talking about today is the personal uh, and, you know, church implications of the incarnation that should be worked out in practice in your life and in mine. Um, and so last week's message was called God with us. Today's message is entitled God through us because they work hand in hand. And so I think for us to begin, it's really important for us to understand that the incarnation is not just an event. Okay, so what we're talking about, like last week, particularly the event of the incarnation is that Jesus, right, that the divine nature of Jesus Christ, like the Son in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the divinity came and was made into flesh, right? That's the event of the incarnation. But it's, the incarnation is not just an event, but it is also a principle, the incarnation principle, one that is exemplified all throughout scripture. It's all over the place. The incarnation principle is this, is that God has chosen to manifest himself through humanity. All right, we see this all over the Bible, that God chose to manifest himself through 
humanity much of the time. Here's a few examples. In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 1, verses, uh, verse 26, we see that God created man in his own image, right? We are created as a reflection of God. He wanted us to understand who God is, his nature and his character, in part by looking at ourselves. We can see a reflection of who God is in our creativity, in our emotion, in our passion, in our love, right? And all of those things are an aspect of who God is. That's one area that God chose to manifest himself through humanity. We see it in angels, right? All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, they are distinctly human in appearance. Now, we're not talking about the cherubim, which are weird, funky, eye-covered creatures. But most of the time, angels, the messengers of God, take human Form. Again, God chooses to use humanity, right, to convey himself, to reveal himself. Also, oftentimes in scripture, God describes himself through what are called anthropomorphisms. Annie, this one's for you. Anthropomorphisms, right, which means taking on a literary term, taking on human form to convey a concept. So when God talks about his omniscience, right, his all-knowingness, the Bible talks about it in the concept of eyes, that God's eyes see everything, right? When it's talking about his power and his omnipotence, what does it say? His strong arm or his strong hand fights or delivers, right? When it's talking about his compassion, it talks about his heart. God doesn't have a like a heartbeat, right? He doesn't have a physical body, but it uses human terms to reveal himself and who he is, right? We also see it in prophets, right? We see that or his sovereignty that God directly or indirectly speaks through human beings to reveal who he is or his messages or his messages to us. And ultimately, we see that it's ultimately culminating in the greatest example of the incarnation in the divine, the divinity of God being put into the physical body of Jesus Christ. So we see all throughout scripture, the incarnation is not just an event, but it is a principle that God chooses to oftentimes reveal himself to humanity through humanity. And so when we get to Hebrews chapter one, this is our first passage of scripture today, Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three, we see that this is this idea, this principle is really brought out here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Okay, so here's the link, right? We see the Old Testament and all the prophets and all the, the incarnation concept of God inserting his spirit into people in order to be used by them or to, into humanity so that he could reveal himself. But then in these last days, he's done it with his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him, which is what it sounded like we read in John chapter one last week, right? The beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were created through him, all things were created by him. There's nothing that exists that wasn't created from him or with him, right? So what does that say right here? That God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. You see how there's a unity in the passages in the scriptures here? Verse three, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and what? 
the exact expression of his nature. So again, the incarnation. That what we see of Jesus is the exact replication, the exact expression of his nature in human form, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And then what did we say last week about the reconciling work? After making purification for sin, right? He came to save us from our sin. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So you can see here all of what we're talking about, the incarnation in the, in the, the event, but also the incarnation principle at work right here in Hebrews chapter one. And so what we're talking about today, what God is wanting to do through us is he wants to reveal himself to the world. And he recognizes that it's really hard to do that if you can't see it, if you can't touch it, you can't smell it, right? If it's not something that is corporeal, something for us. We are, we are limited in space by our bodies and by the world around us. And thankfully, God loves us enough that he inserts himself into that world because he knows it's really hard to identify with something that we can't, that's so vague, right? And so just as much as, as what we see through then, then what we see into the New Testament is that God then inserts his spirit in, in Pentecost into every believer. That's what we see in the, in the story of Pentecost when the, when the disciples were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descended upon them and filled them. And then the whole rest of the book of Acts is ultimately where you see the living out of that. And the thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven essentially was, I have given you everything that you need now to reach the world with the gospel. I want you to go into the rest of the world. I want you to be the light of the world with, you live it, with me living inside of you. I want you now to be my messengers. I want to reveal myself so that other people can know exactly what I'm like and who I am, but I'm going to do it through someone who looks just like them. We become the inversion of the incarnation like Jesus was, like the spirit of God inside the body of Jesus. Now the spirit of Jesus lives inside of us and the incarnation principle lives on into where each of us now are not only God with us, but now God through us. That's the idea here is God wants to reveal himself to the world around us, but he does it primarily again through humans. He wants to use us to reveal himself to the world around us. The principle of the incarnation applies to every Christian personally. God not only chose to reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ, but also personally through the godly lives of Christians. God intends to bring his character to life through the lives of Christians. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, he's talking about this very idea. He says, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are Christ's letter. You, us, we are Christ's letter delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Do you see what, what it's saying there? Is that we are essentially the story. We are the letter that God has written to the world to let them know that he loves them. Like, that's what it's saying. It's like the way that we live our lives is, is lets people see who God is and what he thinks about them. We are called to display our God's character so that he can reveal himself to those around us. I mean, look at the imagery that's used in all throughout scripture in the New Testament. The city on a hill 
right? We are called to shine like stars. We are a lampstand in a house, right? All of this imagery is designed to be outward. It's to bring light to something that is dark. It is to illuminate something that is hidden. It is to uh, reveal something. It is to be a guidepost. It is to be a sign. It is to be a, an attractive beacon, right? That's the language that Jesus uses when he talks about his followers. He says, I'm gonna, I am the light of the world, right? Which we saw in John 1. And I have now inserted incarnationally my spirit, my light into you. And you are now to shine your light for others, right? God wants to reveal himself, his character, who he is, his love, and the sacrifice that he made, that he is God with us. Not just God with Jared, not just God with Heather, like he's God with all of us and he wants to be God with them, right? That's what he wants. Not just God with us, but God through us. What we have received, we are to freely give. So, how? How? Like, God wants to reveal himself to the world around us, but how does he do it? How does he want to do it? I have three things that I put together here that I think are, that are uh, practical and principled that will help us to understand how God wants to and how he will reveal himself to those around us if we do these three things. Number one, is through our godly lifestyle, the way that we live our lives. Um, the way that we live either clarifies or distorts the world's view of God. And before you say anything, think about this for a second. How many of you have read articles about Christians, pastors, even celebrity Christians, who have made some pretty terrible mistakes or decisions in their lives and then have been frustrated because you're worried that it's going to affect the way people see you as a Christian? Anybody? Yeah. Like just recently, that's happened in the news with, with uh, pastors. I don't want to mention names because I don't want to draw attention to anything further. But, but when I say that the way that you and I as Christians live our lives, either clarifies or distorts the view of God, that's what I'm talking about. The way that we live our life, ultimately, is a picture of what God is like, right? Look at what it says in Matthew 5, verse 16. We already talked about this. Let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. They're certainly not going to give glory to God in heaven if I'm cheating on my wife or if I'm, you know, like being angry and, and, and yelling at my kids or I'm stealing money or, you know, taking the, the shortcuts at work or whatever, right? Like these, that, that's what people are going to say. If you're, that's the God that you worship, I don't want anything to do with that, right? Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. As a citizen of heaven, which by the way, a little plug here, we are to be citizens of heaven first before we are citizens of the United States, okay? As Christians, we are citizens of his kingdom. And that's what should be uh, defining our values. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of what? Of the gospel of Christ. Live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, Paul says, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you, okay? And that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, doing what? Contending together for the faith of the gospel. That word right there, contending together, reminds me of the other image that Paul talked about of running the race, right? 
um, of like, like a, it's like a competition. Like, like there's an intentionality to the way that we have to live our lives, right? Why does he say contending for the faith of the gospel? It's because it's really easy to be overcome by the world. It's super easy to allow the culture and to allow my friends and to allow the workplace and the way that everybody around me lives for me to just fall lock and step with them. And before I know it, no one even knows I'm a Christian or they could care less, right? Because my lifestyle isn't any different. I just read an article a couple of weeks ago about this very thing that was like, um, if you look just like me, why would I want to be a Christian? Like, what is the point of being a follower of Jesus if your life is literally nothing like mine? Like, and that really struck me. Like, I don't have a problem with being, um, you know, fitting in or, or having decent clothes or having nice, that, that's not what I'm talking about. Is there something inside of us, each one of us, there must be something inside of us that says to the world that like, I'm different than, than the rest of you. I have something different, you know? Like Jesus said, that we are to let our light shine. That's why he said it's the city on a hill. That's why he said shine like stars, right? And this is the reason that God hates idolatry so much. All throughout scripture, we see that God says, if you have an idol, I'm gonna kill you. Like, like don't put those statues in your house. You know, I don't want anything that's supposed to be an image of me. Why? Because anything that distorts the, the world's image of who he is, is what he hates. He doesn't want any person, us or anyone else, to have an idea that is false of who he is. God is so beyond our imagination. He's so beyond a statue. He is holy. He's powerful. He's master of the universe. Like he doesn't, he, and the way that we live our lives either clarifies or distorts that image. We are to live our lives in such a way to where people can actually see that we are reflections of him, the love of him, the justice of him, you know, like, like the, the, the wisdom of God, like those things. And that reflects all the way down to the granular level of how we spend our money and how we treat our kids and, and all of those kinds of things. But if there is not a difference between a Christian and a social justice warrior, I got to tell you, like the Bible makes it pretty clear that we are not reflecting his love in the appropriate way. On the flip side, we read in the book of Acts in the church of Antioch that, that people were first called Christians there. Why? Because they were so much like Jesus that they actually called them like little Christs. Like that's kind of what they were saying to them is like, it was so clear that these guys were so like radically on fire for Jesus. That's an old term from the nineties on fire for Jesus. Like that they were so known, not for kindness, not for going to church. We don't know exactly what it was. I'm going to guess if you follow the rest of the book of Acts, it was praying for the sick. It was probably telling and proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus. Like they were doing that in such a degree that they were like, oh my gosh, did you see that little Jesus running around down the street? Like that's what they were saying. I cannot tell you the last time anyone ever said anything like that about me. And I would, I would wonder if the case is the same for you. Like how is the world going to know that Jesus Christ is alive unless we tell him. How are they going to know? Well, one of the ways that God wants to reveal himself to the world is through our godly lifestyle so that his character is revealed through us. And the thing that I would say to you and to me is that it takes intentionality. It's not an accident. It's an, it's an intentionality to say the things that I do, the things that I say, 
And maybe it is the things that I wear. I've actually considered getting a cross. And I know this sounds silly because I mean, people wear crosses all the time, but I'm like, what do I wear? Look at what I'm wearing today. I'm wearing a Lord of the Rings shirt. It's so, it's so important to me that I wear t-shirts of a fictional world. But I don't have a cross that says that, that, that Jesus Christ is the thing. And again, this is not me saying you got to have a cross. I'm saying, is there a space in which that I even think about the, the, do I have scriptures on my desk that are publicly for people to see? Are there, do I have shirts? Is my Bible present and on my desk? I don't know. I'm thinking like just as much, I wear, I wear shirts or clothes or drive cars that have name brand stuff all over them. People know exactly what I like because I wear it and I buy it and it's on display. But Jesus is put in a closet somewhere and I don't talk about him except on a Sunday morning. Like, that's what we're trying to get at here. It's more than just going to church. It's more than just what we believe. There is an element in which the Holy Spirit is, it wants to work through us and there has to be a choice for each of us. But what is it that you and I do say, profess? How do we let people know about the hope of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How do we do that? It takes intentionality. God wants to reveal himself to the world, one, through our godly lifestyle. The second is this, and I think they go hand in hand. It's through spirit-led living, through allowing the Holy Spirit to, to create moments that are beyond the physical, right? That's the incarnation. The incarnation is the marriage between the divine and the physical. Well, if our godly lifestyle is the physical aspect, the things we say, the things that we do, the things that people can see and taste and tell and smudge and smell and all that kind of stuff, well, then spirit-led living is the divine element. The Holy Spirit living inside of us wants to intersect in our daily lives in ways that maybe are out of the ordinary. Now, before you think I'm talking about being some wacko person, the Holy Spirit wants to operate inside of us to be an encouragement, to, to, to do things in ways to, uh, to bring people, to reveal himself to other people. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Ephesians 5, 16 and 17 and then 18b, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. But how do I do that? Don't, don't act thoughtlessly, but instead understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do I understand what the Lord wants me to do? Look what verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 1 says to offer your body as a living sacrifice, right? It says to not be conformed to the world around you, but instead allow yourself to be renewed by the, by the Spirit. And then it says you'll know the will of God, right? The Holy Spirit living inside of us, we have to give the Spirit of God, the incarnational Spirit of God, a place in our lives, room to speak to us. What am I talking about? What I would say is this, is that there is only one way in which you and I can ever manifest anything of the character of God in our lives. We are messed up individuals, all right? The, the sinful spirit inside of us is constantly looking to squelch God out of our lives, push him away, lock him in a closet, bolt the door, right? I mean, and I think everybody here understands that's true. If I am not intentional about my lifestyle with God, I don't grow closer to him. I don't let my friends know about Jesus more by not, you know, like, the less I do that, the more I become like everybody else and the farther away from God I feel, right? I think everybody can nod their head and say, yes, that's true, right? But the opposite is true. When I make room for the spirit of God, 
when I spend time in his presence, when I, when I actually expect that he might want to speak to me during the day when I'm not reading my Bible, like when I'm not in a worship song, when I'm not at church, maybe, just maybe while I'm at work, a friend of mine is telling me, a coworker is telling me about something going on at home, perhaps the Holy Spirit might drop a word in your, in your spirit there and say, I want you to encourage them with this thought. Or I have a scripture verse that comes to my mind and you can tell a story about how that has impacted you, you know, or perhaps God says, I want you to pray for that person right now. Just be bold and say, Hey, I know that you're not really a praying person, but I am. And I believe that God cares. Can I pray for you? Like if there are moments in which we make room in our life, in our mind, in our lifestyle for the Holy Spirit to actually begin to intersect in the world around us perhaps God might reveal himself in a way that is beyond our physical ability to do such. If you're thinking to yourself, I have friends that I really want to know Jesus, but no matter how much I tell them, they know I'm a Christian. They know I go to church. I've invited them to come to church. They just won't come. They don't want to. They're not interested. You have done everything you possibly can do, but you know what? God hasn't because God is the one. The Bible says that no man can come or woman can come to God except unless he draws them. So maybe instead we should pray, God, how do you want to reach this person? God, is there something that I can do? Is there something you want to say? God, I pray for my friend. God, soften their heart and ask him, is there something I can do? And he might say, I want you to bake them a loaf of bread. He might say, I want you to bring them over for dinner. You might say, I want you to take them to this, purse, this place, and maybe you end up meeting somebody there. I don't know what it'll be, but if I just start my day, if you start your day, if you start your, your time with the Lord, you start a conversation with somebody else, hey, God, what, what might you want to say in this moment? Well, I do that sometimes when I sit down in counseling with, with people or when I'm doing marriage counseling. I'll ask the Holy Spirit. I'll say, God, I'm about to counsel this couple in premarital counseling or marriage counseling or someone who's having a hard time. And I'm sitting down and counseling them. I'll ask the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm going to say the things that I know I'm supposed to say, the things that I've been trained to say, but help me to be sensitive to you speaking to me that maybe there's something that I don't see in my physical eyes, but your omniscient anthropomorphic eyes see that I can't see. And he will enlighten me to that and, and target something. That's the marriage of the incarnation of the spirit and the flesh. If we live our lives in a spirit-led way, if we give him room, if we give him place and give him permission to intersect in those moments, he will reveal himself in ways that we can't. So let's pray for that. Let's ask God to, for insight. Let's ask him for his plan to reach other people around us. But we have to be willing to act. We have to be willing to respond. We sang that song today, fully devoted, no matter what it takes for the glory of your name. Is that just lyrics of a song or are we willing? And that's why I prayed what I prayed. God, I fail. I mess up at this, but I want it. My heart, my desire is to be fully devoted to you. I want to be able to say no matter what it takes. And even if right now I can't physically live that out, your spirit within me will help me get there an inch at a time. Are we willing to act? Are we willing to respond? And you know, there's another element to this too, is that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in Corinthians, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says to actively desire the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. 
the gifts of the spirit include things like speaking in, in other languages. It, it's, um, it's, it's praying for the sick and they're being healed. It's, it's, it's getting a word of knowledge, like a supernatural word that you would not know for someone. It's speaking a word of, of, of a prophetic word to another individual. It's wisdom, it's discernment. There are so many other areas, things that are divine infusions into our physical and that sounds crazy and it sounds weird, but is it any less crazy than the literal God of heaven, like pouring himself into the body of a human being? Like, and yet we have that same spirit living inside each of us, the Bible tells us, right? Is it so far-fetched to think that that same spirit of God that created the mountains and the universe and that raised the son of God from the dead might not insert a word of knowledge for our friend? And he wants to, but how often are we even listening to even wonder if he might? That's what I'm talking about here. The concept of that God wants to reveal himself to the world through our godly lifestyle, the way we live, but also through the spirit living within us. And finally, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up this last one, which is kind of a marriage of all three, is that God wants to reveal himself not just to the world through our godly lifestyle and through spirit-led living, but also through embracing mystery. And this is really where I think the rubber meets the road. And this is probably the hardest of all of them. What do I mean by mystery? Incarnation, by its definition, involves mystery. It cannot ever be fully explained. It is a mysterious blend of the divine and the physical. In human activity, it could never be fully explained. It could never be fully understood, but it requires faith. And this is the hardest part for someone like me because there's a jumping point, right? I can do all the research. I can learn everything there is to know, but there is never going to be enough to where I'm going to be able to say, I see the bridge that is crossing the chasm and I know that 100% it is not going to fail me. There is never a place in which the concept of faith in Jesus Christ and the mystery of the incarnation will ever be fully understood or explainable. People have been debating for 2,000 years exactly the nature of the incarnation. How much was Jesus divine? How much of the humanity was human? How much of his divinity did he lose? Was he 100% divine or was he just part of him? Did he lose his divinity when he became, when he died on the cross? All of this stuff has been debated over and over and over. And there is no answer. There isn't one. And yet over and over and over again in the New Testament, particularly, we hear the word mystery, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of mankind, the mystery of God revealing himself. Why? Because God wants us to be people who embrace the mystery, to be people of faith. Look at what 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. What does that mean? He was manifested in the flesh. So God manifested in a body. He was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and then taken back up into glory. This mystery, it calls it, right? The mystery that's been revealed since the dawning of time, it's called in the book of Romans. The gospel is called the mystery. To be a Christian means to enter into mystery and to intentionally wrestle with it. We are called to embrace the mystery. We must resist 
the temptation to try to live our Christian life by formulas, by rather practicing living by faith. What do I mean by that? Well, there is a world of difference between what is magic and what is mystery. There is a huge difference between the two. Magic seeks to produce what is the same results when a certain sequence is followed, okay? So the idea of I'm going to pray for the sick. If I say these words, if I rub my special prayer towel and I do these things and I put a little magic dust in there, then I should expect the result of the person to be healed. But in reality, what we know, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is that as a follower of Christ with the spirit of God living within us, that sometimes I pray in faith for the sick to be healed, amen. And that person doesn't get any better. Why? I don't know. That's the mystery of it. It's frustrating. It's maddening. It makes no sense. And then sometimes I pray for the sick to be healed and they are. Why? I don't know. It's maddening. It's frustrating. It is the mystery of it. And Jesus explains it a little bit, but it doesn't help that much. He says the kingdom of God is like this. But we also know that the kingdom of God is not fully in its, res- in, in its, in its presence yet. It bursts in in pockets. It comes and it goes. We know that the kingdom of God is lived out in us and we are called to be the ones to push the gospel forward and the kingdom of God forward. And we do it by our godly lifestyle and we do it by living in the spirit. And that we know that when we do live by the spirit, that sometimes the spirit of God breaks through our physical world and does something that is crazy. But other times we do it and it seems like the spirit of God is napping and we don't have the answer. That is the mystery of all of it. We are promised that one day the the kingdom of God will overtake all things and that all things will be restored and that it will be made perfect. And the spirit of God will be so permeable, so physical. It'll be like the garden of Eden where they walked with God in the midst of the day, like in the cool of the day. That's what it will be like. But until then we live in this mystery space of the not yet and the present. Like it is, it is both and. And somehow we are called as Christians to be people that are okay with the fact that sometimes it's not going to be explainable. And that is so maddening to a person like me who needs to understand and to wrap their brain around something. But I will tell you one thing. If I live my life based on the concept that it had to be understood, I think I would get bored because there is plenty in this world to entertain me. There is so much in the world that I can do, that I can participate with, that I can get my hands around, that I can taste, but I will get bored with it. The thing in my soul, the thing that draws me to God is that it is unexplainable, that it is bigger than anything the world can offer. And if the cost of admission is mystery, then I will gladly take it. Like I, there's a space in which we have to do that. Mystery understands that there is no guarantee. There is no foolproof explanation. There are no success formulas which produce the same result for every Christian. That would be magic. God works by the means of the principle of incarnation, which is mysterious and miraculous, but it is not magic. Our part as Christians is to live by faith according to the teaching that we have received. God's part is the results. So if you're mad at God for not putting his end of the line, take it up with him. Like it's not on you. And he'll tell you like Job did, God, what did I do wrong? And God goes, who are you? Were you there when I created the mountains? Like, and we don't like that answer. I don't like it because I want to know, but I'm not God. And I try to take the place of God. 
But here's what I would say when I was talking about the concept of mystery and how God wants to reveal himself to other people through us, through embracing mystery. Like, how is that possible? If I don't understand God, how could people possibly? Here's what happens. From this place of embracing mystery, if you and I can get to a place where we, where we understand it's not explainable and yet I embrace it and I wrestle with it, God can invite those around us to enter into that mystery too. From this place of mystery in our own lives, where I don't have it all worked out, we can be vulnerable with people and give God a space to use our authenticity to reveal himself and his character. People can see that I'm suffering in my life and they can see that there's no answer for it, but that God is present and gives me something that sustains me and gives me a strength that they don't have. They can't see that if I pretend to have the answer for it, because all they see is, well, tell me why your God would allow this to happen. That's the answer that they want. But if I live in the space of mystery and say, I don't know why, but I can tell you what God does in my life through it, it at least leaves the door open for them to wonder about it. And they're now experiencing the mystery. And God can, can begin to work in their heart through his spirit in that space. It gives space for miracles to happen. It gives space for doubt to exist. It gives space for wrestling to take place. It gives space for hard questions to be asked. It gives space which leads to conversation, which ultimately strengthens and points back to God. That's what mystery does. If I don't embrace mystery, I have an A or B. That's all they've got. Either God is right or he is wrong. Either God is kind and loving or he is mean and he's a liar. Like these are the way that the world sees us, right? Because of Christians and how the choices we have made, the godly lifestyle, the, the lack of living by the spirit, the world looks at God as mean, as mean-spirited. Why is the coronavirus still here? If God loved us, wouldn't he get rid of it? That's the way everybody else thinks. But if I have a friend and you have a friend and we're having conversation and I'm honest with them and say, I don't understand. I don't know why when I pray for people, they aren't healed. But other times I have, and it's been awesome to see it or why I'm going through this thing and I don't understand why it's not that way. And, but they are invited into that conversation. They can see God working through my life and it invites them into it. The Holy Spirit has an opportunity to be able to, to work in them at that point. Not if I close the door and try to give him an answer. That's what mystery does. God's desire is to reveal himself through us by putting our messy lives on display for others to see his mysterious, transformative power at work in our lives. And look what he says in Ephesians 6.19 to wrap this up. Pray also for me. This is Paul. Pray for me. He's saying, I need help. Pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness what? The mystery of the gospel. Remember who he was talking to. In, in, in Ephesians, he's talking to the people in Ephesus, which is in Turkey, right? But it's just like, like it's near, it's all in this area, which was overtaken by Greek thought, right? This concept of like reason, right? Gnosticism was a, was a counter to Christianity. It was a part of, it's like the, 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 what can be the things that are knowledge is King, right? Like the understanding, we live in a very Gnostic world right now. Science is our new religion of America. Like, like everything is science. Everything is fact. Everything is what is knowable, right? And I believe that science is just the discovery of God's universe, God's creation. 
but it is not God. But Paul was talking to a group of people, right? We see him talking to people who couldn't understand God through the concept of reasoning. Like, it doesn't make sense, but what did he do? He said there is mystery to it. There is the reason, but there is also mystery. And if you marry them, it gives space for analytical individuals. It gives space for educated, intelligent people to say, I can believe all of these things in fact, but there is a space in which I have to say, God will work beyond the way my mind can understand. And I get it. It's hard. I'm there. But there must be a place where we can embrace mystery and allow God to work in us through faith. That's just how it works. That's how it's designed. And so our big idea of today's message marries all of us together is that God is with us so that he can work through us. Last week, we talked about the incarnation being that God is with us and he gives us a divine connection. But it wasn't God so loved Jared or God so loved Joe. God so loved the world. So God is with us so that he can work through us so that he can reveal himself to the world around us. God wants to reveal himself to the world through our godly lifestyle, through our spirit-led living, and through our embracing of mystery so that he can reveal himself to other people. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? God, thank you for this powerful concept of incarnation, both as an event in your son Jesus and also as a principle throughout scripture. May we be people who would take a hard look at our lifestyle and make choices so that we would reveal you intentionally to other people in the way that we live. May we make room for your spirit to speak into our lives and to, uh, to, to be lived outwardly so that other people can be revealed through it. God, give us words of knowledge. Um, give us discernment. Give us wisdom. Give us your spirit and power so we pray for the sick. They will be healed and um, miracles will take place. And perhaps even most importantly, may we be people of mystery. May you open our hearts and our minds to first accept the concept that mystery is essential to the gospel, to the life of a Christian, and that we would be people who would be intentional about living by faith, by wrestling and asking the hard questions and giving that space to exist. And so that when we do meet our friends, people who aren't Christians, people who want nothing more than to just tear down what we believe because they think we're stupid or ignorant or unintelligent or archaic, whatever, that we would be okay with the mystery of not having the answer and instead let your spirit and the transformation that it has done in our lives and is doing in our lives be on display in full, full frontal uh, authority. God, may we be that people incarnational to our world. May this sit in our hearts and in our spirits long after Christmas is over, that may we be, be, become incarnational people long into the new year. We thank you for what you're doing. Um, we thank you for coming. And uh, just, we just ask you would just continue to save the world one by one through each relationship and just begin to do that in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What time is it? No, I went long. <laughs> um, well, let's have a, just a little brief discussion time. 
So the concept of the incarnation practically lived out, God through us. Um, any thoughts to kind of wrap our series up, kind of wrapping Christmas up, wrapping the new year or going into the new year? Um, any thoughts on, on incarnational living? Questions about or comments about mystery? That one was really stuck with me as I was kind of putting that together. Any thoughts from you guys? With regards to the uh, stuff talked about today, with regards to mystery, less about the incarnational stuff of the past two meetings, I, I like I, I appreciated the the stuff you had to say, and I think, um, I think it's definitely hard because in in my mind, at least the the things that need to be kept in balance is on the one hand. I agree that there, that like mystery is essential to all sorts of sort of important fundamental things, mm -hmm. and there needs to we like we need to be okay with that. But on the other hand, we also it's super essential that for all those things we continue to struggle with it. And I think there's there's a sense in which it's appropriate to even be frustrated with our own lack of understanding because on the if if we become not like not okay with the mystery we either you know just sort of we, we can reject the whole thing just not want to think about it because it, it doesn't make sense or or we convince ourselves oh, that we do have the answer so that we no longer need to like deal with the fact that there's mystery um but on the other hand if we if we we, we can go too complacent as well. And we just say, oh, well, you know, the, I, I don't know how this works, but you know, God does, and I, I don't get it, I'm, I'm fine, I'm not going to get it. So, you know, just kind of throw up your hands and, and not have to think about it. And so I think ultimately it's sort of, we have to do both of these things and, and we have to be struggling with these mysteries, but then also be okay with the fact that we are struggling with these mysteries and, and be okay with living in that struggle. So I, I think that's, I don't know, that's, it's an idea that has mattered and, and been helpful a lot for me. So I was appreciative that, uh, you know, talking about it today. Yeah, I think it's an excellent point, Josh. And thank you for sharing that. Um, that's where I was going for <laughs> the, the marriage between the two, you know, like, I think, um, I, I think you're at, I think you hit it right on the head, man. Like if you, if you um, just put everything as mystery, then you don't do the justice. Uh, I think you actually lose the ability to reason with, with, with people who particularly aren't Christians. And it also has a detriment to your own faith. You know, you can get into all sorts of bad theologies and that's where people come into ideas of like, you know, like we had a series of uh, months ago called uh, God Never Said That, right? And the idea is like people, they just go, oh, it's just spirit. It's just the spirit of God living in my life. And, and then they aren't reading their Bibles and they're not grounded and they don't ask tough questions like you're saying. And, 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 and they lose touch with, with the world and what's going on. And then the other aspect of it is true as well, is if you overanalyze everything and you aren't willing to accept mystery, then it, oftentimes leads people to a place of where they cannot they cannot get the a equal a plus b equals c and then it and it causes them to say well i'm done and i give up and then they you know and so you're right i think that's an excellent excellent point what else is any 
anybody want to say? Uh, sounds like several people are like nodding their heads like that they resonate with that. Any further thoughts about that or questions or further ideas? I mean, I'll say, I, I mean, Josh, I completely agree with that. And I think for me, part of the mystery is, yeah, so you can look at it as kind of two different ways. And like you, Josh, were saying, and Jared were saying, like, there's, you can go the route of being like, everything's a mystery and it's all God and just like throw it off on there. But, and like, that's not super helpful. And that certainly isn't going to resonate some with someone who isn't a believer. Um and it's important to, I think the exciting part of mysteries is that there is an answer, I feel like. I think there's a big difference between like, if there's something where I'm like, we will never know the answer, it's completely a mystery, that's not exciting to me or mm -hmm. interesting to me. That's just frustrating because it's like, well, there's, it's a, a pointless chase with no goal, like end goal. But with like religion and with the mystery of that, I mean, we can study the Bible and we can discuss. And yes, there's, we will never know God fully, like understand everything. But there is stuff that we can understand and there is stuff that we can chew on and discuss and dig through. And there's also like, I have the belief that, you know, eventually when we do like meet Jesus face to face, we will have a greater understanding. We won't have God's understanding, of course, but we will have a greater understanding of the stuff that we can't solve, you know, now on earth while we're here. Um, and I think too, that pairs with like science that you were talking about. I mean, at some point, you know, illness was just like, oh, God has punished me or God has punished you or blah, blah, blah. Well, we've wrestled with that and we've studied it and we understand now that it's germs or it's this or it's that. And I don't think that takes away from God in any way at all, because obviously, you know, that's a physical thing. That's a natural thing. And God created the physical world and nature and all of this stuff to work together in this balance. And so I think just like understanding and learning more is just understanding God's word deeper and understanding his creation deeper and understanding, you know, sort of the balance of life and all these things that he put into motion that work together on earth and work together to help us in ways and to just sort of like make the world a rounded place. And yeah, just like sort of digging deeper into that study and that sort of experience that he's created shows you like the greater plan like how much planning went into the world and how much he loves us and cares about us that there is so much to discover and explore and work with and so I know that got into a lot of stuff but yeah I mean I, lo I love the mystery of it all when there is like you do there is there has to be that like glimmer of hope where like yes there is an answer and at some, whether it's in this world or in another world, we can solve this puzzle and find, and so there's, there's that, which I love. I think it all works together too. Um, like I had this thought, I'm trying to like, like the incarnation itself shows that God cares, right? So if you read the rest of the Bible, it's hard, you'd be hard pressed, I think, to to see that like that God would be the God that would just 
do it for kicks and he doesn't care and he's just laughing at us and there's no answer out there like i don't see that in god like in in the bible there are pieces that are like hard to understand why is the old testament it seems like god is vengeful angry you know like the forceful sort of you know and then the new testament is love and kittens and clouds you know like you know that's like there is this stark contrast and again right the concept of mystery gives you the space to ask those questions but it all works together in that if you look at the wider picture, the narrative of the Bible and what it reveals about who God is, like it does leave me with the hope of, I don't have full answer, but I have the hope that it's going to be all right. And the fact that it does tell me that there is something coming that's going to make it right. You know, I think it would be even harder if the Bible just ended and didn't tell you, like if Jesus didn't speak about restoring things, if like, you know, that would be real hard too. But there is enough in there that points the trajectory to things are going to get better. Like, don't worry, I'm coming back. Like, that's a crux of who we are. And again, we don't talk a lot about that as Christians nowadays, the return of Christ. We don't do a lot of talking about that. Um, but I think that's essential to the story. Without that, we're like, I don't know, he kind of just left. What am I supposed to do? Like, you know, but he told us he's coming back. And until he does do these things, and when he does come back, all of this is going to happen. Like that is fuel that kind of like pushes us and gives us the strength, I think, to say, I don't understand, but one day I think I will. That's kind of, I think that's, that's how I resonate with what you were saying, Amy. Um, I don't know. I was really excited to share the mystery part of this message because I think, to me, it gives language. Was somebody trying to say something? Holy cannoli. Can I interject here? Please do. Okay, I was just, just to kind of support, I think, what you were saying, son. Um, Paul talks in Corinthians about now, in this present world, we see through a glass darkly. Um, we can't always see clearly the other side or the end, the solution to what the mystery that we're talking about. The things we don't understand, we can't quite figure out. The explanations that we would love to be able to give to people as to why things are the way they are, we won't always have those answers. But he talks about a day when that which is perfect will come, when it has arrived. Then we will know, even as we are known, where we're going to have answers, we're going to see things, and we're going to, at that point, we won't need to explain to anybody. You know, but it, but um, the mystery will be, uh, it will be known then. Uh, but until that day comes, and that's talking about when Jesus comes and sets up the kingdom, and he rules and reigns on the earth, and we've got the new heaven and new earth that the Bible talks about is going to happen uh, in the end days uh, of the book of Revelation. But for now, uh, we are, we live by faith because there is a mystery. Right. And we walk by faith, not by what we can see. Uh, that's what made us a Christian, and that's what will sustain us as Christians, is the faith we have that God is God, he is in control. Even though I can't figure it out or understand it all, I know one, and I'm joined by faith to one who knows it all, in control of it all, and can do it all. And um, I know him enough that I can believe in him, that he says all things, no matter what they are, will eventually work out for good and for his glory. And faith just trusts that, you know. Um, I don't think that we can 
just as some of you have said, just live in the idea, well, it's all a mystery and just throw our hands up and that is not going to be a satisfactory answer to people all the time. But we don't always have the answer to give them. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to take whatever seeds we can sow into their lives uh, through the Word of God, uh, through experiences that we've gone through, and trust that the Holy Spirit will use them to open their hearts and prompt them to want to seek more for themselves and eventually come to the truth. The fact that we, we can say it's all a mystery ought not to restrain us from also seeking the truth and trying to find the explanation, which will bring us to our knees or bring us to the Bible or cause us to talk to others and to search for the answers. Uh, we still may never find the answers in all of our researching, but again, um, God has not given us all the information we need, but he given us enough to know him, to know that he's capable, he's more than enough for us, and that we are to trust him going forward for every single day that God allows us to have. And uh, ultimately, we are not responsible to explain to everyone else the mysteries of God. That's the job of the Holy Spirit as he desires to do that. We are simply to be his mouthpiece, to speak what he's given us to share, to help those people along the way to come to know him. He never fully answered Job's questions as to why. He just revealed himself to Job. And in doing that, Job said, okay, I have, that's the conclusion that Job came to. I have seen you, I've heard of you before, but now I know you. Because I've seen you, you've spoken to me, you revealed yourself to me, that's enough for me to sustain you. You know, and I think we come to that point as we seek the Lord, as we draw near to him and trust him for the future. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you for that Cliff's notes on my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, amen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Dad, thank you so much. I think, um, I think you're right on. Um, does anybody else have anything that they want to share or uh, add to that? I think, I think. I, I have something that it's, um, that was great. Um, so <laughs> to me, I think what, like, I really liked what you said, Jared, earlier about like, um, there's a very, Lunach, there's a very old school, um, I think traditional faith where it is very heavy on, on like, um, you know, we live by faith and the mystery and all that stuff. There really wasn't a space for science for a long time. And that seems to be more of like a progressive movement of progressive faith and i think that there is i think for a long time there was a fear of science because you know we wanted to make sure as believers that you know we're not discrediting faith we're not trying to find those equations all the time because you can't you won't it's just not going to happen that's not how faith was designed but i really love what you said jared about science really is just the discovery of God's world, of, of who God is. And and I love that. You know, years ago, you and I watched that show, Cosmos, which is more of a scientific lean, of course. But you and I would pause all the time and watch this show. And we would say to each other, you know, it really elevated my faith in the way of being able to see, my God, God created this. My God did that. My God is this. That is, I don't think that we have to be fearful of those things because when you when you you've talked about the marriage and the union of science and faith a lot in this one message and i think when you do that and it does create that space that pocket that that area where you can have doubt and have questions and have serious conversations there's doesn't need to be a fear of that and that means a lot to me because 
I think that that speaks to God not expecting everyone to experience him in one way. I think that when we say science is science and faith is faith and they are not any way connected and they have no relationship to each other, I think it boxes God in one way or the other. God is way too big to have a box. God created the box. Like, that's the, <laughs> and like, that's the thing that I find so cool about who he is, is that that mystery, which can be very frustrating to people, and it can be very frustrating to anyone, right? We don't have those answers. And that's not an easy thing to do when you know somebody who's sick or has cancer or this and that. You want those answers desperately. God, knowing that you're good and that you could do this but are choosing not to for one reason or another, that doesn't help me right now. That doesn't make me feel any better when someone I love is dying. But, you know, so I mean, that doesn't help in those, in those moments, in those difficult times. But the constant pursuit and that mystery, we are by nature designed with curiosity, designed to want to know things, designed, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think that's just in our DNA. That's who God created us to be, is to be pursuers, to be searchers, to want to understand things. And while it can be frustrating to not get answers, the the constant pursuit and growth is, I think, the point. God understands that there are people out there that are way on this end who are like, oh, faith, and that's all I need. And that removes responsibility from us. To say to live in an area of faith only removes responsibility of pursuit. But on the other end, there are people who are extremely analytical, numbers-driven, reason-driven, logic-driven people that God understands they're not going to learn the same way. Those are two totally different people, very complex beings. And that if God was blanketing across the board saying everyone was going to experience me in this way and that's it, it isolates people. So I think it speaks to who God is and his understanding and loving of complex people. That's what I'm getting out of this is that it, it, it's just, I don't know, that, that to me says, wow, God is a really uh, amazing, loving God to know that he created such complex beings and then went so far as to say, you are each going to experience me in your own way. And it's important that we find out what way that is and to be challenged and growing enough to say, this is how I learn and how I experience you, but this isn't how you want me to be all the time. You want me to grow and expand to experience you in multiple ways and to be challenged in multiple ways. That's a lot of what I'm getting out of this. Well, to pull it all together as we kind of close up here, I, this message is about how God wants to reveal himself, not just to us, but to other people. I have struggled for a long time with the concept. I, I've been raised in a church. Pretty much everybody I know and have ever known are not are Christians. They're just people who are people of faith because that's the world that I operate in. And then there's an element of me where it's like, well, but when I'm around people who aren't Christians, I don't have a lot of non-Christian friends. I don't really know how to, how to, it's almost like a foreign person, right? And, and so my nature is, is I have answers, I teach, right? That's what I do. And the concept of mystery really, I feel like is an unlocking space to where I can have conversations with people and gives me permission to not feel like I have to have an answer. Um, and so like, I, I think that's where I wanna leave everybody today is this idea of when we think about our friends, 
right? The whole concept of this message is, was the idea of like, God, I, I'm hoping anyway, that we would each say, God, I want to reach my friends. I want them to know you like I do, but I don't know how, you know, they don't seem interested, right? So like, what are the areas of my lifestyle? That's the first thing. What can I do? Is there a way that I can actually make it obvious that I follow you in the way I live? But then the spirit, right? Like, God, what might you do that I'm not thinking of that you can only do? But then that mystery space opens the door, I think, to have conversations when circumstances arise that there are not answers for. And it frees me up anyway to not feel like I have to have an answer. And it doesn't end the conversation. Because if the friend that I'm talking to is frustrated with my concept of God or their concept of God, but I try to give them an answer, they're probably not going to be ready for the answer. And that's going to stop the conversation. They're not going to want to talk. Let's talk about something else is what's going to happen. And now I don't have a chance to continue with that. But if I, again, it's not on me, but I think, but if, and guys, hopefully you see, I'm working through this myself, right? But like, but if I instead say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but let me tell you what I'm experiencing or what my experience has been. I think at least it leaves the door open for people. And again, they may go, that's, that's dumb. I don't want to talk about this anymore. They might, but at least it's not because of something I did, <laughs> you know, like that's God's fault. You know, if he wants, you know, he can, he can take that. But I just, I think that's kind of what's being revealed to me through this is like, you know, for people that, that are like, I don't know what I think about this whole God thing. It gives me a space to say, well, what, what do you think? You know? And I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know why that's like that, but you know, but this is what's happening in my life. And I think it, it invites people into relationship. It furthers the relationship. I ask questions. It gives them a place to ask the question where they don't have an answer and they get to wrestle with it. And I believe that God has been doing this for millennia, right? For a really long time. And his desire is that all men would be saved. My, my belief is that if I just keep the door open and keep letting my life be on display and be vulnerable and embrace that, that whether or not they ever come to know him through my actions, that God is continually using those scenarios to like, pers like pursue them and to dig further and to kind of keep drawing them. And again, they have their own choices too. I don't know. I'm going I'm to stop talking because I feel like I just ramble, but um, hopefully you guys have felt like the concept of the incarnation is more than just a Christmas thing. It's more than just Jesus in a manger. Like that's the idea here, right? There was so much more to it than that. It is a marriage of the spirit of God and in humanity, obviously exemplified in Jesus, but then lived out through us every day. And how that happens is how he reveals himself to the world. Uh, let's close our time with prayer. Uh, I think Sarah is our prayer person. So um, does anyone have any, uh, any things they'd like to share? And then Sarah is going to pray and we'll pray together. I'll put it in the chat like I usually do here. Um, but anybody have anything that they want to, would like Sarah to pray for us for? Uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, so I have a friend whose uh, brother died a little over a year ago. And so I know that for her and for her family right now, but also for so many other people that are experiencing either grief or loneliness and 
um, the, the holidays can be an especially difficult time. Uh, so prayers for anyone that is experiencing and in the midst of that darkness. Absolutely. Anybody else? All right. Um, okay. Um, I would, I'll add something just for myself. Um, I think I've said this like every year. <laughs> I get to the end of the year and, uh, and then just usually feel tired. Um, and then have the thought process of moving into a new year as a pastor of a church. And um, I don't know if it's just psychological or mental because I know it's the end of the year. So my mind just naturally goes that way. But I have been feeling, you know, just sort of tired. Um, so just prayers for me um, for this for this next year. I mean, obviously for all of us, 2020 has been a really hard year in a lot of different ways and different for different people. Um and I've not been, you know, um, I'm not, I've not been immune to that, but you know, I obviously want a refreshment, refreshness, whatever the word is from God for this next year. I'd like to be able to turn the page into 2021 and, um, just sense and feel a, a rejuvenation, uh, emotionally and, um, pastorally as well. Um, so I don't know how to put that into just, I think refreshment would probably be a good word. So yeah, pray for that, please. That'd be great. Anybody else? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Sarah, would you lead us in prayer and everyone we're just going to join together and again, right? The mystery of does God hear us? Um, we believe that he does and that he cares and he will do according to his will and sovereignty and answer it in the way that is best. So we'll just trust that and let's do that together. Go ahead, Sarah. All right. Father God, thank you for the incarnation and thank you for your spirit, which dwells within all of us. Um, Lord, I pray that within these coming weeks that we would be more sensitive to your spirit so that you could show us how to better reveal your light to the world and to lead us in what you want us to do. Um, Father, we are moving into a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, um, with uh, the winter months um, coming, there's a lot of darkness. Um, a lot of people deal with um, loneliness and sadness during these times. Um, specifically, I would like to pray for Josh's friend and their family. Um, this is a very hard time to not have, um, to deal with grief. Um, there's a family member that's not around that used to be there. Um, Father, I pray that you would just wrap them in your arms and show them your love. Um, remind them that you're there with them. And even though they're feeling this grief and this loneliness, that your love can fill that hole that they're feeling. Um, and once again, I pray for anybody who is dealing with sadness or depression, seasonal depression, as these next few months come, these dark and um, just sad times for a lot of people. Um, Father, I pray for this next year. Um, we're turning over a new leaf. Um, as we've said a million times this year, this year has been difficult for everyone. 
Um, so much has happened and we all just want to leave it in the past. I pray that you show us that even through this horrible year with all of these twists and twer turns, you have still been here with us. And I pray that you would reveal yourself more to us to like lead us in the way that you want us to go in this next year. Um, I pray that we all get this refreshment, especially Jared. Um, show him different things that you would like him to teach us and um, pour your wisdom into him um, so that he could be refreshed and rejuvenated for this next year um, so that he could lead us in the way that you want us to go. Um, Father, thank you for all that you've done this year and everything that you're going to be doing in the next year. Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, uh, so we're going to leave here. Um, it is almost New Year. And so we say goodbye to 2020 with like, bye, get out <laughs> and uh, excitement for the new year. I want to wish every one of you guys um, a happy, happy, happy new year. Normally, we would probably be at Kylie's house this, this Friday or Thursday night and can't do that. And I get it. So um, 2020, you suck and you're out, done. Uh, 2021, welcome. Please be better than last year. But a um, couple quick remind reminders. Uh, this Wednesday, 6.30, EC Gentlemen. Um, and then next week, Heather is going to be preaching. Very excited for that. Um, and next Sunday, Kylie, you are on call to worship. And Chris, you will pray for us at the end of our service. And that's it. So guys, I hope you have a wonderful close to the year. Hopefully it's better than any other year of week this year. And uh, I wish each of you a happy new year and pray God's blessing as the new year begins. And I'm excited to see you all again next Sunday. I hope you have a great week, everyone. I love you guys so much and I uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Love y'all. God bless you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.